Alrighty, uh, welcome and introductions. I mean, welcome. That's welcome and introductions is what the spreadsheet says. Welcome to the Film Literates podcast. <laughs> yeah, been a long time. It's been almost a year, actually, Joe, hasn't it? It, it has been quite a while. Yeah. If I wanted to, I could pull up the exact date, but I am too lazy to do that, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> and, and and to be honest, I don't it, care. <laughs> Nobody really cares. In fact, I think everyone's kind of forgotten that we we even exist or are a podcast at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're here. Yes. And we're talking about movies. Yes, we are. As always, uh, I'm Joe, and with me is Nate. Hey, it, that guy with the hat, as I usually like to be called. You know, that's my that's my tagline. Yes. I, I like to... Yes, Nathan with the hat. No, it's that guy with the hat. That is your... Get it right, That Joe. guy with the hat. Yeah, that's that's your official That's your official job on, on Film Illiterates, isn't it? It is, yes. It... Uh, so it's, uh, I'm Joe. I'm here with that guy in the hat. Yep. And uh, we saw Silence. This is the new Martin Scorsese movie. Yes, this has been a, a one I've wanted to see for such a long time. And it was kind of like one of those movies that I knew was coming out um, this past year in 2016, but they did not have a trailer at all anywhere. And I was like, where's our trailer? Where's our trailer? Scorsese, you better give me a trailer. Yeah, and, I was surprised about that because the trailer came out really late in the game, which yeah. which which isn't something you see that often these days. Usually they, they start advertising the movie, you know, t- uh, two decades in advance. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at, at that point, this earlier this year, they were still wrapping up, I think, on just like uh, reshoots as well as just the main edit. So there wasn't anything really to show yet as far as like, you know, trailer moments. But um yeah, when the trailer finally came out in November, I was I was jazzed. I was like, "Yes, we got the movie." So we will be talking about that. Uh, we'll be we'll be we'll be looking at the movie mainly from kind of a thematic standpoint because this isn't this isn't a a usual podcast in that we're not talking about a general topic. We're going to be talking about a specific film, and I think that as you'll as as you guys will see. Silence really warrants this kind of more in-depth discussion. So our, our conversation today just can be focused entirely on silence. Of course, after we've talked about our what we've watched segment, which will come first. So if you want to jump around to different parts in the podcast, um, the link in the description will have the time codes, mm-hmm. everything. Sorry, I, sorry, I'm already a beer in, and I'm I'm working on a second beer wait, right now. Wait, so you're, this could be a really interesting conversation. You're drinking beer already, Joe? What the heck? I, 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 I'm I'm all I'm already I'm already a beer in, and, and I'm kind of lightweight. So this will be a really interesting conversation. Uh, but yeah, but but you could have given me uh, some heads up. You know, I I was trying to keep myself sober for this. You know, and you're already getting drunk. Okay, whatever, whatever. I gave you a heads up. I mean, I gave myself a heads up, as in, or should I say a bottoms up? Yes. Well, <laughs> yes, this um, will be an interesting topic. <laughs> this will be this will be a great conversation. This will be great. All right, so without further ado, let's talk about what we've watched this past week. Mm-hmm. Nathan, All what right. have you been watching? Okay, well, um, as of uh, the beginning of this new year, um, I had already seen all the movies I wanted to see in theaters that probably people right now are kind of trying to play catch-up right now for awards season. So, um... The one movie I saw this past weekend was the new A.J. Boya. Is that pronounced? Let me see. A.J. Say J.A. Benoya uh, movie called A Monster Calls. Um, this is a really nice movie. Um, I'd seen the trailer and I like the kind of the look of it. The trailer made it look really nice and enchanting. I saw it and it was really depressing um, because it deals with cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what. A- that's what I've heard is that, that I haven't actually seen a movie that everyone says is really, really depressing. Yeah, I mean, I guess people forget that when you're watching the trailer, uh, the mother in it is dying of cancer. It's it's blatantly obvious in the, the shots they use. And yeah, that's what the whole movie focuses on is she's dying and the boy's trying to deal with it. And they think and, and obviously, you know, they try to throw this, you know, giant tree monster that looks like Root voiced by Liam Neeson. Um you know, to make it a lot more magical, but it, it doesn't really make it too magical. Um, but overall, I kind of liked it. I, I like the the visuals of it. I like the the kid actor, um, Louis McDougal, I think his, his name is. He did a good job. I was really impressed. He actually outdid Sigourney Weaver, which I thought could never be done. 
Um, but he did, and this uh, this that was the best part of the movie is the kids acting. So, I feel like I feel like we're getting a I feel like we're getting a a a, a stronger generation of child actors, especially more recently. For instance, with uh, uh, Stranger Things, mm-hmm. we had some great child acting too, and I just feel like it's more and more frequent that we're seeing really great child actors whereas before in the past they there's kind of this stigma against kid actors like oh the movie was great except for that you know that shitty kid yeah and i think if anything it comes down to the director um this director he's he did other movies like the orphanage and the impossible and those have a a lot of you know kid actors in it that pulled off some great performances so i think that's just just his forte or his um expertise is dealing with child actors so he was obviously able to get a good performance out of this kid. Um, but even like, so yeah, you're right. There was a huge rise of, you know, really good child actors I've noticed um, from Stranger Things, um, even in Hugh. Room. Room, yeah. That, Jacob Tremblay, you know, that was one of the best parts of the movie Room. So yeah, I'm even noticing like, you know, they're getting better and better. So I, I guess there's just a higher demand for child actors. Um, some other movies I saw, uh, recently I've been revisiting some old ones, um, that I kind of saw when I was younger and just watching them again, just to refresh my memory of them. Um, all these next two are basically scored by composer Terrence Blackheart, who is one of my favorite jazz composers. He's done a lot of Spike Lee films. Um, probably one that people will know him from is Inside Man. Um, but the one I watched was this one with Samuel Jackson called uh, The Caveman's Valentine. Um, I saw this one back in high school when I was getting really artsy-tartsy with, you know, the films that I wanted to watch. And this one was, it was interesting. It was a different um, kind of Samuel Jackson movie that I had not seen before, where he plays this homeless man with huge dreadlocks who used to be a concert pianist. And he gets involved in, like, this murder mystery, and he's trying to play detective. And what I thought was cool about it is that it gets inside his head and it, it shows him dealing with his own, you know, insanity and his own delusions while he's trying to figure out what is fact. And that was an aspect I liked about it. But looking back now, the movie's not necessarily that great. Um, it's, it's kind of messy. The acting is not necessarily up to par. And, you know, I was kind of like, when I saw this, I guess I, I accepted Samuel Jackson for his Samuel Jacksonisms, and you know, it kind of looking back on it, it, it doesn't really fit that well with the role. But um, I don't know. I think if anything, the, the music is kind of what brought me back to it because um, it's a good score. I really like. This it. doesn't sound nearly as interesting as the title suggests. When I hear the Caveman's Valentine, I mm-hmm. think we get. I think we're in for some like really kooky '90s comedy. Oh, I well, I, I like need... uh, uh, like like bat, like blast from the pla- blast from the past or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to tell you what his Valentine is in the movie. It's a dead body. Oh, so would this make a good double feature with Swiss Army Man? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, wakes up on va- <laughs> the whole premise is he wakes up on Valentine's Day outside of his cave in Central Park, and there's a a dead kid in the tree. And yeah, that's the start of the murder. This murders. is going places I don't think I want to go. It it, it goes places <laughs> you don't want to go. Believe me, I remember revisiting him like, oh gosh, this yeah, there's a there's a torture scene in this in a I, I, in a meat locker. You, you, you've, in in just thirty <laughs> seconds, you've gone from dissuading me from seeing this movie to this is like the, at the top of my watch list now. I I really really recommend it. It's it's kind of like a one time watch. I would recommend. It's not like. You shouldn't expect anything like stellar as far as performances, but it's it's definitely worth a watch. Um, like you know Samuel Jackson, he's in it. He's gonna, he makes it fun. Um, let's see. The other movie I saw just to wrap up was Twenty uh, Fifth Hour. Um, this is another movie uh, that Terrence Blackard uh, scored for, but it was directed by Spike Lee, and it's actually one of the very few Spike Lee movies I actually enjoy out there. Um, and this, what makes this one so cool is. This was actually one of the very few post 9-11 movies that kind of like was shot around Ground Zero. It, it stars Edward Norton, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and even uh, Brian Cox. Story-wise, it's it's kind of interesting. The reason it's called 25th Hours because it takes place around the t- last 24 hours before Edward Norton, who's a drug dealer, goes off to prison. So he's kind of like, you know, spending his last few hours with his friends, his ex-girlfriend, his dad. But what I liked about it is how it kind of like is revolved around this, you know, after 9-11 feel. And there's a lot of that imagery everywhere throughout the whole film, even like the end uh, montage, which is probably the best part of the film, um, kind of deals with that. And it's like, I don't know. It's kind of like one of those films I remember seeing. I'm like, yeah, this is really cool. 
and yeah, that's pretty much it for my movies. Uh, Joe, how about you? Well, uh, I've been watching quite a bit, but I, I I needed to narrow it down to just a few films. So I, I I've actually been working a lot through the twenty six movie twenty sixteen movies that I I haven't had a chance to get to yet. Uh, that I figure might have a chance of hitting my top ten. So I I saw La La Land recently. I saw Silence recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw Green Room, Bloodfather, uh, that piece of garbage Sing Street. I saw. <laughs> It wasn't really that bad. I've heard mixed I, opinions about it. Some people said it was really good. I, I everybody loves it. I'm I'm the one grouch that didn't like the movie, uh, and it's purely for thematic reasons. The movie the movie is made is made is made really well. It's a lot of fun to watch. But I I, I just I don't like the movies that are all about the, you know, young kids up against the oppressive. Uh, adults and then they need to break off and do their own stupid things and i'm like kids you are you are you are you are going to die penniless and alone in, in like in like a trash heap you keep going down this 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 road you're going <laughs> joe you're the kind of guy who doesn't like a christmas story uh so i don't i know. don't like a christmas story yeah. i will leave that 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 flag so i as uh, so- i am proud yeah and i i don't know if i can take your your criticism as some Thing too hard. Um, I might just watch this movie in defiance of your your review of it. You will, you will probably love it. Yeah, yeah I, I'm just I'm just a I'm just a, a sickle dude. Uh, but however, however, uh, to talk about some movies that I do enjoy, mm-hmm. um, I've been working through the Resident Evil series. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, what's the what's, and what's the... I love these movies. <laughs> what's the one word they it has like one of the worst like climactic action scenes with like <laughs> them like splitting up that like... is uh i believe it's afterlife it's the um <laughs> the fourth one in the series and it is amazing <laughs> it's a beautiful film series and the thing about about them is that they they're they're not good movies by by any means none of them are good movies and none of them try to be good movies they're just trying to have fun these are just Paul W.S. Anderson just just saying, you know what? That looks like a cool shot. I'm going to put that in the movie, and I don't care. Yep. <laughs> the Resident Evil movies, that these those are my my ultimate guilty pleasures. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want me to recommend individual ones, uh, the first one is a winner. Mm-hmm. And the, the last one that came out, Resident Evil Retribution, I actually hadn't seen that one before, and I watched it this time. And it's they, they, they take the schlock to a whole new level. In the fifth movie, like the series starts off kind of okay, this is this is fun and dumb, and it 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 and it wavers for the first four movies. It wavers between really good fun and dumb and just kind of middling fun and dumb. Mm-hmm. But then in the fifth movie, all of a sudden, it like gets a new life and becomes amazingly stupid yet awesome. <laughs> I, do you think it's like just over the years they kind of just realize you know this is what the fans love about these movies, so let's just pump more into that or just go all the way with it. Yeah, and that's the thing about Paul W. S. Anderson is that is that a lot of people will depend will defend Michael Bay movies for similar reasons as in oh it's 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 just kind of a guilty pleasure movie. Yeah. They're 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 fun and dumb movies. The, yeah. the problem with me and Michael Bay, I, I can't stand most Michael Bay movies. The Transformers movies are yeah, the, as, abysmal. Uh comparing them to Paul W. S. Anderson, for instance. Paul mm-hmm. W. S. Anderson, you feel like he has genuine love for this kind of schlock. Mm-hmm. He 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 knows it's not that great, but he doesn't care because it looks awesome and he's just having fun. Uh he's you know, you know, just all right, we're gonna have Mila Jovovich kick a zombie dog in the face <laughs> just because I want to see that happen on screen. <laughs> Whereas you feel like Michael Bay is just a cynical bastard who doesn't like the kind of things he makes, but he makes them anyway because he says, well, you know what? People like me. this shit. So yeah. I'm going to put this shit out. They're paying me. You know, I'm, I'm, I have a career and I have a job still for because of this. So It's like he's purposefully... Michael Bay is purposefully appealing to the lowest common denominator, and he hates the lowest common denominator. Whereas Paul W.S. Anderson is just appealing to himself, and he loves it. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he kind of falls in the same lines of like, you know, Sam Raimi or George Miller as a director who just you know they they shoot stuff because they love it and it's fun for them and they get a kick out of it yeah so i will any day of the week i will defend the resident evil films uh not as great pieces of cinema but as great pieces of entertainment Mm -hmm. another thing that i've been doing recently is that i'm I'm gonna try and experiment this year i've always thought it would be really interesting to try to get a real in-depth understanding of a certain year in movies so 
I, I I chose a decade that I like, but I hadn't seen as many movies as in you know more more modern ones. So I chose the 1930s specifically. I chose the year 1934. Hmm. I went through IMDb and painstakingly found the release dates for uh, around 300 movies. Oh my! From gosh. the year 1934, arranged them in chronological order by release date by by weekend. So uh, I think it's roughly like 52 Wait. weekends because there's 52 weeks. Oh my gosh! And every week in 2017. I'm going to choose at least one movie from that corresponding week in 1934, whatever is most accessible, mostly stuff I can find online or I can uh, buy uh, physical copies of. Mm -hmm. uh, so the idea is that by the end of 2017, I will have watched at the very least around 52 movies from 1934. So my my hope here is that I can get kind of a general understanding of what the film scene was like in real time for someone living in 1934. So if you lived in 1934 and you were really interested in movies, uh, these are these were your offerings in the order that they were available. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I started that. Um, I've watched two movies from 1934 this, as, as of the recording of this, uh, this podcast. I watched The Big Shakedown, which is a movie that you can find online for rental. I would highly recommend this movie, actually. I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Okay. Uh, it's it's basically uh, kind of a a drama with thriller elements and a little bit of romance <laughs> thrown in. It's about a a pharmacist who runs his own little drugstore, and he's pressured by gangsters to to make counterfeit uh, stuff for the drugstore. So, so so for instance, he can make toothpaste that tastes exactly like the toothpaste of this big uh, name brand toothpaste. So the gangsters mm -hmm. force him to, to make his own toothpaste, you know, by in, in huge quantities and they'll sell it to drugstores telling them it's the real thing. And so this movie starts off kind of, kind of goofy, but then the movie takes a really hard left turn oh, in the boy. third act. <laughs> oh boy. Like, like, like I don't want to spoil it, but I'm watching this movie and I'm thinking, all right, this is kind of dramatic, kind of fun. I'm, I'm into this movie. Then all of a sudden it gets, dark like like really really dark for for, for the 1930s i mean this is sort of, i mean i mean thing uh, there's a certain thing that happens in the movie they kill a dog that i'm not gonna say what it was oh, but there, there's a certain thing there's a certain thing that happened happens in the movie that isn't too uncommon to see in a movie like like from today but from back then this movie is so light and then all of a sudden this hard left turn mm -hmm. and you're like oh my gosh i can't believe it just went mm -hmm. there but the and i was about to applaud the movie as like this this movie just went to a whole another level of great that it's it almost belongs on like you know my my top hundred movies of all time list, <laughs> but then but then they kind of undo themselves because they still feel like they need the happy Hollywood ending. Mm -hmm. So basically, basically something really traumatic happens, and then about ten minutes later the movie ends and everyone just kind of forgets that that traumatic thing happened because they're just like, oh, it's the end, we won, okay. It would be it would be on par uh, as as if you were watching It's a Wonderful Life. And ten minutes before the end of the movie, his whole family gets murdered in front of him. George Bailey's family gets, gets like murdered at gunpoint in front of him. <laughs> but then it still has the same ending, just without his family. So he's all like, cheering, and the people are coming with the money and stuff. <laughs> you kind of forget there was this dark aspect. Actually, you know, kind of thinking about it, there are a lot of dark aspects in that movie. It's a Wonderful Life that I keep forgetting. But... Well, there are, and quite a few movies from quite a few movies from the from the specifically the the 30s would get into this more racy and darker material. Um, it just felt really weird in this movie because it, it's not like that for most of the movie. And then all of a sudden it is for just like a few minutes. <laughs> um, and then uh, briefly, I'm going to mention one other movie that I watched, which was for, also from 1934. It's called Bombay Mail. Mm -hmm. You can watch it for free on YouTube. Uh, yeah, I, it's not worth watching at all. It's, it's, it's a <laughs> it's This movie came out the same day as the big shakedown. Uh, so it's, it was, it's interesting thinking about filmgoers having both of these options in theaters. And Bombay Mail is just a a cut and paste uh, uh, retelling of Agatha Christie's uh, Murder on the Orient Express. I mean, I mean, it's not cut and paste, but it's very, very similar. Isn't it? It's about a detective on a train. There's a murder. He has to interview everyone on the train, interrogate all the, all the people on the train, figure out who done it, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I wouldn't have given the movie. I wouldn't have given the movie a second thought, except for I decided to do a little bit more research into it, mm -hmm. and I found out that. The movie Bombay Mail was released roughly about a week 
after Agatha Christie's book, Murder on the Orient Express, oh. was published. Oh, so there's so, a lot of uh, there's a lot of manuscript trading going around in Hollywood back then. Yeah, so so my hypothesis is that much like how in the early days of Pixar, mm -hmm. you know, uh, DreamWorks would release a similar movie to Pixar around mm -hmm. the same time as Pixar movies. You know, you had Ants and a Bug's Life, mm -hmm. Shark Tale, and Finding Nemo come out around the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and with those, you, one can only presume that DreamWorks, knowing what Pixar was working on, decided to fast track their own movies mm -hmm. to kind of build off of the, the success of the okay. Pixar movies. And I'm thinking that the guys who made Bombay Mail said, hey, Agatha Christie has a train murder thing with uh, Inspector Poirot mm -hmm. coming out soon. We got to get this movie into production so we can release it around the same time so that people will be into yeah. train murder mysteries it'll be fresh on their minds it'll be popular and we'll make a buck out of it even if it's not great yeah exactly so that's my that, that's my my presumption um, yeah you know it's there's some things about hollywood that don't change and yeah that's just a typical thing all right so that's what we watched uh moving on yes moving on uh silence is golden wouldn't you agree nathan i would have to say Yes, I saw this movie way, way back in December up in L.A. And uh, the kinds of feelings I had, the anticipation, the being nervous, being elated when I saw it, being challenged. And uh, yeah, it, you kind of leave that movie not really knowing how to feel about what you just saw. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that 100 percent. I went to a late night showing mm -hmm. um, a few like last week, mm -hmm. I think it was. It was fairly recently, probably a few days ago. And I just sat there as the movie ended just through the end credits. It's one of those movies, you sit through the, through the end credits, chewing over what you just seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like odd because it's like, I remember when I saw it, uh, it was kind of hard for people to really applaud. They're like, oh gosh, I don't know. Should I applaud? Should I not? I, I don't feel like applauding, but it's Scorsese. Can I just say just, 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 just right off the bat? Sure. Um, I like Scorsese just fine. I think Chris Scorsese is a great filmmaker. He's oh, made some yeah. really great movies. Mm -hmm. He's not my personal favorite director. And it's, and it's not because I think he does subpar stuff. It's just because he doesn't appeal to my sensibilities personally. Mm -hmm. I am a huge Sam Raimi, Joe Dante kind of guy. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and so Scorsese, while I always watch his movies and I always enjoy his movies, his movies for the most part, uh, he's never been one that I get super hyped for the stuff or for, for for them when they come out, you know. I mean, like, I'm like, I'm like he makes great stuff. He's just not a director that I get super excited for. I just kind of, like, I'm just kind of like, oh, the new Scorsese movie's out. I I need to go see it because I'm I like Scorsese. Mm -hmm. But I I absolutely loved Silence. Uh, this this is up there um, for me. Yeah. I I think I think I think just just the the material he's dealing with and the way he deals with it uh, just really struck a note with me mm -hmm. and. Whether I agree with what he's saying or not, he gives me a lot to think about, and I think it's a very important movie. So just mm -hmm. right off the bat, I loved Silence. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like right up there with you. Um, as far as for me with Scorsese, Scorsese is one of those directors in the, a long time ago. I used to have like a real love-hate relationship with. I mean, I kind of saw his earlier stuff like Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Taxi Driver. And at the time, I guess I was a little bit more sensitive to it, so I just didn't know how to approach it. And but over the years, um, ever since he's kind of been having this renaissance in the, you know, the 21st century, he's kind of really taken the helm as like being like one of the highest acclaimed directors still working in Hollywood at his age. That's impressive. And it's really interesting how he can span so many different genres. Of course, mm -hmm. everyone, everyone associates him with the kind of the crime gangster genre. Yeah, Mean Streets. He's done a few movies in yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like people associate that with Scorsese. But he he. He has shown great range, um, even just comparing, you know, Silence to The Departed, two very different movies. Mm -hmm. In fact, you wouldn't even be able to tell except for uh, a certain aesthetic style that was done by the same guy because uh, just stylistically, they're so different. Um, or even Hugo. Yeah. Uh, I, I've, I've always held that, that the best directors of children's movies are people who are used to doing R-rated movies. You know, James <laughs> Gunn with... Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh -huh. and Scorsese with uh, with the, the um, Hugo, mm -hmm. because they're not afraid to take risks that other typical children's movie directors 
uh, are always hesitant pay. about doing. Yeah, because they feel like, oh, what if I alienate my audience? Kind of like what Spielberg's kind of going through right now. But yeah, I definitely would have to say, I think what makes Scorsese such a uh, versatile director is just his love for movies you can definitely see that in hugo he's a huge you know lover of the history of cinema and where it comes from but also just knowing what subject is fascinating him at the moment he knows how to shoot it and that may mean adopting a completely different kind of look or style that we're not all used to because that's one thing i did like about silence is that this is a different kind of scorsese that i don't think the world has really seen or they were expecting and maybe that was the approach a lot of people were thinking when they were going to see this movie. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to see radical Scorsese. We're going to see some harsh, brutal, like, killings. And although there are some really harsh persecution and torture scenes in this, it's really, that's not the real big emphasis. It's very, very much restrained. And I think that was kind of like a, a different kind of Scorsese that people were not maybe expecting in this movie. But But for me, that was something I really, really did love i loved seeing that side of him yeah you 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 can tell that you can tell that this is a movie he's had a he's had on, he's had on his mind for a while be, simply because it is so restrained it's mm-hmm. it's it's um some of the movies that he makes that are a lot of fun to watch mm-hmm. um he makes decisions in the in the filming of the movies where, where you're like okay that was a lot of fun but it's the it's sort, it's sort of thing that anyone would put into their movie wolf of wall street the mm-hmm. ex of that movie uh, anyone could have just thrown that in there. Scorsese does it mm-hmm. in the best way anybody could have done it, but yeah. that's the sort of idea where it's like, you know, it's, all right, you're hammering home the idea of excess and how you're going to present it, yep. and there it is. Yeah. Whereas with, with something like Silence, uh, because it's so restrained, it's all about the ideas and the themes, mm-hmm. and because you're not distracted by loads of violence or language, mm-hmm. you almost are forced to think about what you're seeing on screen a little bit harder. Exactly, yeah. And actually, that's one thing I did love about this, um, is how reverent it was to the source material. And that was my biggest fear going into this movie. Um, Because I know when Scorsese says he's doing a passion project that takes 26 years in the making, that always makes me nervous because it can either be really good or can go south really fast and he's had several projects like that but what i loved about this is i've read the book silence um that this movie is based off of and i was blown away with how close he stayed to the original source material he didn't deviate too much he didn't take a lot of creative license he told the story as it is which i think i remember reading somewhere is that he wanted to get the themes right in this because it's such a challenging movie for its themes that the only way to really tell it, the only way to honestly tell it is by being reverent to the source material and be respectful for it. And I think that's the biggest applause I can give for him is just pulling that off. It really shows him not only as a good filmmaker, but a very mature filmmaker as well. Yeah, and and I have not read the book. I, I, I tried to get a copy of the book to read before mm-hmm. I saw the movie. And I just wasn't able to get to it. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people were telling me, if you're going to read the book, you should read the movie because the things it deals with are are more interesting to see the way that they were presented in the book. Yeah. Uh, but having seen the movie, I I, I don't feel like I, I missed out on anything. No. Even I, I don't know how the book deals with any of that. I, I mean, honestly, it's it's a really long movie. It's it's three hours about. And it's yeah, my theater put on like three, like, like, like 30 minutes of trailers before that also. (laughs) Yeah. So you're almost looking at four hours of just being in the theaters. Here's the thing about this movie is that, is that it's, it's not a very explicit movie. In fact, I, I, it could almost have gotten away with a PG 13, honestly, except for just a couple of, uh, brutal shots, I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I'm like, there's one, there's only one beheading in the movie and it kind of comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> although, although you know, something, you know, something like that's coming. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, even the torture in this movie, although it's hard to watch because of, of just what's going on. Yeah. It's not explicit. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, I feel like we've seen, we've seen worse in, in, in lesser rated movies. Uh, to, to be frankly honest, I kind of glad it garnished a, an R rating just because yeah, you're right. It, it, uh, the physical violence or even just the gore that you see on it isn't much actually, but it's the intensity of what's going on that I think really kind of maybe just makes it a little bit too much for just a younger audience to handle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just the, 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 the idea of what these people are going through mm-hmm. is, 
it, it makes you want he makes you want to turn away. Oh yeah. Um, but for for me, I probably have to clarify this because 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 we're going to get get into the whole religious aspect of of, of silence in this in this in this discussion. Mm-hmm. So 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 I'm coming at this movie as a as a, as a practicing Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always kind of, kind of notice uh, themes of faith in, in movies, and I like I like movies that challenge me and challenge oh, yeah. challenge my ideas of of, of faith. Mm-hmm. And this movie was really difficult to watch for me because of the way that it 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 struggles with these questions. And um, Martin Scorsese, he. He's he's tried to nail this kind of idea down for decades. Yeah. What I like about Silence compared to his previous most famous faith-based effort, uh, Last Temptation of Christ, is that in both films he's asking questions, but in Last Temptation of Christ he seems confused. He makes a lot of assumptions, and he doesn't quite know what he's trying to say. He wants to explore the idea of Jesus' humanity, but he doesn't really know how to go about it. And... Uh, that movie to me is just a complete mess. Yeah. Whereas with Silence, he's, I feel like he's done some more research mm-hmm. in the years since then, and he he isn't he's confused about he doesn't know where to approach this or how to approach this subject matter, uh, so much as he he knows what questions he wants to ask. Yeah. What is the cost of faith? What is the limits of salvation and redemption and forgiveness? Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, it felt much more organized to me. Yeah, well, I think if anything, a, a big part of that, because um, because you are absolutely right, I do feel like there's there's this kind of a, a better understanding of this these questions he wants to ask, and I think that's the reason why it took so long to make this movie. This movie actually is one that he's had twenty six years in the making. You know, ever since he read the book back in the eighties. Um, I believe it's the 80s, sorry, the 90s, um, that he's just really, really wanted to tackle. But as he's talked in several interviews, he wasn't at a place yet where he felt ready yet to tell it. And I'm glad he's waited this long to the age he's at right now, because I feel like with age comes wisdom, with understanding of, you know, yourself. And I feel like he puts a lot of himself in this, of what he wants to explore. And I do feel like it's a much stronger work because of that. And I always am excited when I hear about passion projects that directors want to do, because I always know that this is something that they are personally investing in. This is their own journey as well. And, you know, the message that Scorsese wanted to explore in this with faith and martyrdom and the fine line of where does selflessness fall into that is is a tough one to swallow. And um, um, I, I like to get into something real, real quick. Sure. Uh, a little bit of a tangent. This is specifically about um certain aspects of the movie that i liked a lot because mm-hmm. i know that we have a, i know i know that we i know that we want to get into some oh, yeah. some more broader mm-hmm. uh themes about this movie and some yeah. more outside discussions about the reaction of people to this movie mm-hmm. but one thing within the movie that i found really interesting probably the thing i found most interesting was in 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 how he approached the idea of sinners and 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 characters who are just oh, yeah. trying to do the right thing yeah i, I agree because yeah. Because, 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 as 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 people going going in the movie know the the whole idea of the film, the plot of the film is centered around two uh, Jesuit priests in the night in the sixties, who go to find their mentor priest, whom rumor says he has turned away from the Catholic faith and has actually uh, accepted the Japanese lifestyle. So they go to Japan to find out what happened to this guy and to kind of serve just mainly as missionaries mm-hmm. to the Japanese Christians there. And one thing I love about the movie is that it plays with the idea of what makes a saint and a sinner. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm, not, I'm not even even saying from necessarily a religious standpoint, but characters in this movie who you would picture as saints and flawless um, are given a lot more dimension so that you see them as just people who are struggling and have these huge problems that they that even they didn't realize they had until they fell into this this persecution situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the some of the best characters end up falling the farthest over, over the course of the journey of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then and then they present some characters who at the beginning of the movie they're very um, shady. And 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 this guy. This is one guy who keeps on coming back to confession throughout the whole movie because 
he wants to be a good person and he doesn't want to be uh, committing these acts of apostasy and right. sins and that kind of stuff. But he keeps falling. But he and keeps falling. doing that. Yeah, yeah. And that's... yeah, he keeps coming back and again and again. And it, and it and it gets to be almost to a a ludicrous degree. But that's what I love about it is that it shows you know the reality. Who? Yeah, it shows the yeah, reality. Of yeah, exactly. It. It's, it's 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 people who um are probably irreparably fallen you know and they got all these problems but they mm -hmm. keep trying whereas you have these characters that you think are just these perfect uh people to look up to and they end up having the biggest issues <laughs> in the course of the movie I, I don't know it's just really really cool idea no yeah and i think that's like one of the biggest you know things about the book when it was written is it explored you know what it means to actually be a christian of the faith and you know, in the in the when you're in the midst of persecution and almost at the midst of just being tortured to death, it's like you know how strong is your faith and how strong will you go through it? Um, kind of going off of that, uh, one aspect about this film, which I guess I glazed over it when I read the book, but I love how it was presented in this, is the clash of cultures, and you know that's one thing that the the main character Father Rodriguez is struggling with is. He really believes, you know, the Japanese culture there gets the Christian faith or they can adopt it as truth. But there's this one conversation that they have towards the very end where one culture can still have a distorted view of what you're trying to preach is the truth. And what this um, this interpreter is trying to explain to uh, Rodriguez in the movie is, you know, you see the faith as this way, but this is how they see the faith when you tell it to them, because this is just their heritage, their background in Japan. And I think for me, that was the biggest, you know, I wouldn't say light bulb moment, but the biggest like awakening that I had in the whole movie was just like, wow, that really kind of, you know, took me by surprise. So I was glad how Scorsese kind of portrayed that. And even so, like, that's how the Japanese were using to justify, you know, we won't accept Christianity because it doesn't fit in our culture. I think the, the best line they said is you can't pull a tree and expect it to plant its roots in the swamp. And that swamp is Japan. And I was thinking about that and I was like, wow, that's that's a harsh reality that maybe I don't even want to accept. <laughs> One of the things I love about this movie is that it's not black and white in the way that it uh, shows these themes of faith and Catholicism. Um, a, a, I think that the Catholic film reviewer, uh, Stephen Grinnes, hit it the nail right on the head with this quote that he has from his review of Silence, where he says, uh, quote, silence tells no one exactly what they want to hear except those who can hear nothing else, close quote. Because I've had friends on Facebook who don't know anything about the movie except for that it deals sympathetically with the idea of uh, characters who have turned away from the faith for what they think is good reasons. Because the movie is sympathetic to the people. It treats people as people, even though it doesn't necessarily condone one action or another. It leaves that up. Uh, but I've had these Catholic Facebook friends, you know, say, I will not see this movie because it seems like a very anti-Catholic idea. Yeah. Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, I've seen people uh, who say, I have these faith, you know, corny faith-based movies, even if it's done by Scorsese, I'm not going to have any of this movie either. Yeah. But it's it deals with everything in shades of gray. It's, so it's not a pro-Catholic movie or an anti-Catholic movie. It's a movie about people and their beliefs. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just fascinating and i think that if anything that is kind of like the forefront of just any time when you're trying to you know share a different belief or share a different view of the world with anyone is to understand people are people and that's that's sometimes you know that's definitely i've agreed with what you're just saying because i've i've talked with friends as well who've seen the movie and they don't know how to approach it. and i've even talked with you know some friends who you know even my parents and my family and asking them you know if you were challenged in this kind of a situation, would you stay true to your faith? And all of them said, of course they would, which is, it's kind of hard to say, because I mean, neither of us have ever been in a situation like that, where our faith has been tested like that. I know like all across the world, there, there are other people who deal with this on a regular basis in other countries where that kind of persecution still exists. But this, this definitely is not a movie, and it should not be seen as a movie just strictly for the religious. It's a movie that really should be kind of shared amongst with everyone because I feel like this is a great conversation. There's a great dialogue that's happening in this movie. And in my opinion, I don't think this movie is being talked about enough in either Hollywood or even just 
I wouldn't say even just in the religious orders, but just everywhere. I feel like there's something about this movie that needs to be seen by everyone, but not everyone's going to want to go see it. Yeah, yeah, it's a very difficult movie movie for a lot of people to see. Even non-religious people, even non-religious people, is difficult for a lot of them to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I know. A few minutes, a few minutes ago, you were you were saying you were saying talking about how how it gets people to ask the question: Would I stand strong in my faith? Whether mm-hmm. you know, I face with the situation. Yeah, but I would take take it. Take, I would take that even one step further. Is mm-hmm. in as in the movie. The movie asks the question: Should you stand by your faith? this strongly in this situation yeah are you staying by your faith in this in the situation if you do this action or not yeah. which is again a very hard question for a lot of catholics to hear because mm-hmm. it, because it's, it's it's not saying you know how strong are you it's saying how strong should you be and is this the right thing to do and, and to be honest there there's um you know it's what we won't give away what happens at the end but there's a certain scene mm-hmm. and there's a certain act that father rodriguez character has to do and this idea of you know what you're suffering through is it for you or is it for others or is it for god and and you know it it really puts you on the line and that 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 decision that rodriguez makes i i still don't know where i stand on it i just know for what he was dealing with at the time for what he was going through what he was presented with i i can't see him making any other kind of decision and i think at the time he probably did the best thing yeah yeah and 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 I don't think uh, Scorsese knows where he stands on it either. That's that's what the whole movie is about: is asking these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if if you're someone who is interested in the idea of faith, not not necessarily interested in becoming um, mm-hmm. a, a Christian or not, but just if you're interested in why people believe in things mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 how they go about it, mm-hmm. I definitely recommend this movie. If you're mm-hmm. just someone who's just interested in in you know, theology and philosophy and humanity, I'd say go for this movie because no matter what stance you take on it, you will get something out of this movie. Yeah. And that's the big thing that I want to like advocate as well is that this is a movie. You will get something out of it and maybe something that maybe we didn't see before as well that, you know, it's so layered. There's so many things it's addressing to you that you can't really take it in in one sitting. And I feel like that's a sign of a good movie is when it asks you these questions and you can't even digest it all in one take so my biggest recommendation is definitely go see this movie just for the sake of seeing something that i think is scorsese's greatest gem to the world anyway let's go into just just briefly 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 before we close out mm-hmm. uh let's talk about uh, award season is coming up um, as right. the recording yep. of this the oscar nominations have not come out yet yep. uh but i want to talk just briefly about what Nathan, Nathan, what do you think Silence's awards uh, chances are? Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard because I remember reading articles and people making predictions way, way back in September when they thought, oh, Silence is going to be a big contender. But I'm looking right now at the lineup of, you know, the Golden Globes that just recently happened and even just the SAG Awards, the Directors Guild. It's getting overlooked. And I'm almost beginning to think that silence is going to get snubbed at the oscars i don't think it may get nominated for anything maybe one or two awards but it's not going to be a high contender like scorsese's other pictures you know scorsese's been one of those directors where every movie he's pumped out has gotten like critical acclaim and a lot of award recognition um but i feel like this might be one that it just won't garnish any and it could just also because of just the other movies that have come out you know there's a lot more campaigning for them and I feel like this is one where they just probably don't have the budget right now to campaign for it. And I mean, it's it's a great movie, but I just feel like this is one that maybe the Oscars will overlook this year. Yeah, for for my part, I, I've actually changed a little bit uh, since 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 I first. I mean, I mean, about a week ago or whenever I first saw, saw the movie, I told you Silence is a shoe in for Best Picture. It's yeah. going to win Best Picture, of course. It's going to win Best Director. Mm-hmm. And what I thought the movie had going for it was uh one it has a little bit of a later release date um it's technically a 2016 movie but its wide release date isn't until later this week i believe yeah exactly (laughs) um meaning it's going to be fresher in the minds of academy voters Mm -hmm. when award season comes around uh which is something that happened with spotlight last year and and on top of that this is like prime oscar bait stuff it's controversial Mm -hmm. it deals with uh faith but not in a kirk cameron kind of way <laughs> and it's got 
it's got young actors mostly associated with blockbusters coming out of their shells and putting on accents and big you know period piece costumes and playing these hard-hitting roles so on paper silence is the perfect oscar bait movie Mm -hmm. um that being said since then a few days ago i watched la la land (laughs) and The thing about La La Land is that it's, I mean, this is no review about La La Land or anything like that. No, no, we're not trying to promote anything. In reference to the Oscars, La La Land is a love letter to Hollywood sort of movies. Mm -hmm. Big musicals with homages. It's a lot of fun. It's more open to a a wider demographic of people who will enjoy this movie. Mm -hmm. Anyone's guess at this point. It's it's, it's a little bit early. But um, if if you have to ask me right now, about a month and a half out from the Oscars, it's gone down between La La Land and Silence, and right now I'm giving the edge to La La Land. Mm-hmm. Although, I I really I mean I love both La La Land and Silence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're both great movies, but Silence I think is just a drop dead modern masterpiece. Oh no, I agree. <laughs> so I'd be I'd be much happier if, if Silence won. Uh, but it's gonna come down between those two. Moonlight I don't think is even gonna be seriously considered, you, but uh, we'll see. You know. But here's the question. Yeah. What, why is this even a question? Why, why is it even a question that Silence might not be one of the top movies? Like I said, I, I, we were kind of just talking about this. Um, not a lot of people are, get, are know about this movie. Or if they do, they just don't really want to go see Silence. And Which is weird because it's a Scorsese movie. Yeah, but like as, as I was mentioned before, it's a different kind of Scorsese movie. It's not one where you're going to get like, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, radical and, you know, high energy kind of, you know, action and just like in your face, just like explicit and exploitation. It's... It's very tamed. It's very, I wouldn't say mellow, but it's very reserved and restrained. And maybe that's something that filmgoers won't like about this movie is like, wow, I got gypped. What's the heck? This is a Scorsese picture. What's going on? And I think that's a reason why not many people will be wanting to go see this. Also, it's just the subject matter. It's like nobody wants to spend three hours watching, you know, people getting persecuted for their faith. It's it's something you don't pay twelve fifty to go see, unfortunately. Maybe. Going, we're going to the movies. <laughs> we're gonna watch. We're gonna watch Japanese Christians get boiling water poured on them. Hooray! Oh, yeah, or just drowned or hung upside down. I mean, there's a lot of terrible torture stuff in this movie. I mean, even though you don't see a lot of stuff happening, there's a lot of just ruthless stuff the Japanese like officials did to these people, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I think that's a reason why it's like not many people are interested in this movie. And I think also just because, um, it's a tough movie to swallow. It's something that maybe a lot of people just can't either accept, or maybe they just can't embrace the conversation it's trying to start. And I think if anything, that's my just call out to people is just, you know, look past your own skepticism about this movie and give it a shot just because, Joe and I can both attest you will not regret it. Hopefully. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. There's some, there's something in here. There's there's something in here for everyone. Uh but it, it isn't necessarily a movie for everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um re, re, regardless of what you believe, if you're interested in the subject matter and you like Scorsese, mm-hmm. check this movie out. Yep. Despite if it gets Oscar nominations or not, it's still it's still an Oscar golden movie in our book. Yeah. On a happier note, anyway, I, just, uh, yeah, I actually just learned uh, Deadpool might be a big contender at the Oscars. No, it won't. <laughs> I have a feeling it will. It got nominated. It got nope. a nomination for the PGA. Nope. So. Nope. It's not. Nope. Nathan. I, nope. <laughs> I, I had faith, man. You, you can't. I got to have faith, faith, faith. Yeah, gotta have faith. I love I love Deadpool as much as the next man, but uh, Deadpool is is Deadpool is this year's um um uh, movie that everyone loves, but is not going to be not going to win. It might get nominated, I doubt it, but it might get nominated. It's gonna be this year's Mad Max Fury Road, although Mad Max Fury Road is a far superior movie. <laughs> it, it very much is a superior movie. That movie should have won Best Picture last year. We should, we should, we should have a whole a whole a whole whole Oscar talk. Yes. Uh, podcast yeah there's so much we can talk about yeah we should because that went so well last year (laughs) uh (laughs) (laughs) all righty i think it's about time we wrap this 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 sucker up yes um yeah thanks for listening so 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 so, uh let us know in the comments what did you guys think about silence have you seen silence Mm -hmm. um or are you interested in it because or 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 even tell us uh Mm -hmm. has our discussion about it 
prompted more interest in it. Mm -hmm. if, if so, what'd you think? Um, are, are we totally off base with all of this? Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to get different, entire, completely different points of view from me because um, I'm seeing a lot of people all over the internet, love it or hate it. Mm -hmm. Let us know why. Tell us why we were wrong. Yeah, and, and for me, movie. I'm not seeing enough people loving or hating this movie. So please show me, show me some love or hate people. I want to see all the love and hate about this movie. There you go. Tell tell Nathan why why silence is a steaming pile of shit in the comments below. Exactly, because I I will definitely fight you on it. We will basically get into <laughs> arguments. We I'm my goal now is to get make this basically be a YouTube argument thread on silence. Oh my gosh, <laughs> where it becomes like a YouTube flame war uh, channel where everyone posts you know the same <laughs> the same uh, joke, angry comments. Well, it worked last year when we did the whole all my movies Shia LaBeouf screening of us. That was that was a beautiful trolling of of, of YouTube channel. Yes. Lost us so many subscribers. You're welcome. <laughs> but Internet. it was worth it. You're welcome. <laughs> um we'll hopefully be having more podcasts coming up with the authors. I'm sure we'll have lots more to say. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll have more videos coming out, hopefully, in the next uh, few weeks. I just moved recently, so things have been crazy. That's why the YouTube channel has been silent yeah, and that's, for the past and couple And that's months, the reason but... why his Wi-Fi is kind of breaking up all the time. He's in a very rural part of Washington right now. So Yes, exactly. But um, His we own got, little uh... cabin in the woods, basically, where he's cutting up dead bodies, feeding I'm them. reliving Evil Dead yes. right now. Mm-hmm. But we got we got we got plenty of stuff uh, down the pipeline, so uh, stick with us and uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, MySpace. Uh, we're not on MySpace. Just kidding. Don't look for us there. When we're not there, is is MySpace even existing anymore? Probably somewhere on the internet. Someone has an account floating around. Tune in. Tune in next episode where we talk about MySpace. Yep. And not movies. <laughs> MySpace, not your space, Joe, just MySpace. MySpace. No, it's MySpace. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, keep it easy. Yeah.